0: International Welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Sorois, with me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro.
1: Hi Pat, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, it feels good to be back in the studio, and it feels good to have the studio in my house now. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So listeners out there, you know, we take another. We took another one of our uh, our hiatuses <laughs> that we take when we're busy. Uh, but what we've been doing this time is we've been getting. Um, All of our recording situation moved into my house, which uh, there's a lot of scheduling stuff that goes into this, like getting people in the right place at the right time and driving across town and being ready and getting off work and all that stuff. And that has been complicated, or that has been made less complicated by moving all the recording uh, into the the um, apartment that I live in. I don't know why I said it like that. Uh
1: (laughs) I I thought you were gonna say like the nickname of your apartment. I was gonna say, and then I
0: wasn't sure if it was. If I should say the nickname, I saw of stumble. Fuck it, we're coming live from the LaShonda Lester Memorial Trap House. I want to say
1: hi to everybody.
0: Uh, it there's a fun thank story you. fun story behind that name catch me in public to talk about it uh,
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah Kath uh, yeah that's that's the thing. we got everything in here now and we're we're set to go we're gonna start you know getting finally getting kind of the episodes back to the, the the way they needed to be thank you guys for sticking around in the meantime and still engaging with us on Twitter and not biting our heads off or just totally ignoring
1: yeah yeah people have been very patient and uh we really appreciate it and you know we wanted to be able to do more consistent episodes just as much as you guys it's just a matter of of all this kind of scheduling and everything so hopefully this will be easier hopefully we'll be able to uh to bring you episodes on a more regular basis yeah
0: yeah i i, I feel like we're like a shitty boyfriend we're gonna like, be different this time i swear all right? like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh so kath how you been doing what's been up with you
1: uh, I've been good. I uh, I got a tattoo today, so that yeah. was fun. Yeah, I'm very cool.
0: <laughs> Way cooler than, than I am. I have no tattoos. I don't. Uh,
1: I, I feel like that. It kind of surprises me. I assumed you had some. I assumed you had at least one. Yeah, uh, people, you had like kind of a wild youth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I,
0: I did. I, but we were too busy. Like, I, all my money went to like just getting fucked up. I was trying to get tatted mm. by anybody. I have uh, some friends though who have some shitty tattoos. Not, like some that are just bad tattoos, but they're well done. <laughs> but they're just like right. bad subject matter. Uh, like, one of, uh, two of my friends have matching uh, head tattoos. It's the uh, the Cowboys from Hell logo from Pantera, the CFH circle, uh, on their fucking heads. <laughs>
1: on their he- wait, on the head? Wait, si- H-E-A-D?
0: H-E-A-D, on the sides of their heads. Oh, when, no. When, when they grow their hair out, you can't see it. Uh, right. But when they and then their thing was, well, just yeah. Whenever we're we, whenever we're ever gonna go to shows, we're just gonna shave our heads, and then we're gonna be <laughs> fucking metal in that bitch. Uh, I yeah, those guys uh, have some bad ones. Um, uh, but the 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 worst of the worst, uh, my friends Turtle and Derek, uh, both got tattoos from this guy who did like straight up like stick and poke like like yeah ink tattoos
1: a guy named turtle is not gonna have good tattoos
0: no 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 he's not uh this guy (laughs) he was the drummer in my band and he now works on helicopters uh so don't fly (laughs) um but uh he he got these tattoos him and derek and like man they're awful I'm talking about like like they just look bad they don't look like anything Derek has fixed some of his I haven't seen turtle in years I don't know uh, if he's if he's fixed him he's got that sweet helicopter money though so I think he should have but
1: uh,
0: <laughs> uh, Derek I love you but I do have to uh, and he's not even the worst his Derek has some bad ones but the guy who did him was this, this weird dude and he, he, was, uh, he did turtles and turtles was supposed to have a pair of praying hands and the consensus is like dude that's a nutsack that's a
1: fun <laughs> wow <laughs> wow yeah yeah There's- I can see how a really, really badly done pair of praying hands could look like a nutsack. Yeah. But it would have to be really
0: bad. So yeah. I this dude Oof. yeah he put some work in making these bad um this, oh man. yeah
1: no i i save up for mine i don't get yeah yours looks good you're, you're, i, I saw, get
0: good ones yeah yeah uh yeah yours looks nice i
1: also get them on uh on like my upper legs so they're not like visible to people so yeah. even if i am like fuck i hate this like it's not out <laughs> in the out in the world
0: yeah i'll have tattoo nightmares sometimes where i get a tattoo and it's Oh no yeah, Do you regret it uh, Well it's always like a panic Like it's always just like Oh shit Like it's something stupid Or like I don't know <laughs> Yeah it's, it's never positive I'm never like in the dream Like just looking in the mirror Like huh, oh, what up? How about that It's the fucking uh, Pringles guy well, Okay that's cool It's always It's always something like Panic inducing so, Yeah Yeah and then I wake up you know, and then, uh, and then I'm just like, "Oh god, the only thing I have to worry about is just my fucking life itself."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! Um, so speaking of panic, <laughs> I don't know.
1: okay, that that works. Yeah, yeah, we'll take it. Boy, the most we're, challenging part of this show. I it think, is. It is. I'll is tell- trying to get from talking normal into live. Uh, fraud, thievery, or bullshittery. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and because you know, speaking of panic, let me tell you, they were really panicking in 1980 in Longmont, Colorado. <laughs> oh, look at that! Yeah, we no, uh,
1: done, my friend. Yeah,
0: thank you, thank you. I um, uh, I would like to say that because I'm going to Denver tomorrow, I chose this as like a celebration of uh, that because it was in Colorado. I didn't realize till after I was writing it, I was like, oh shit, this took place in Colorado. <laughs> so
1: you're going to Denver tomorrow? I
0: am going to Denver tomorrow. Yeah, watch Hell out. Hell yeah! What are you
1: doing in Denver?
0: I'm not doing anything comedy related. I'm just going to fucking go to Denver. Me and my girl. I got us a hotel, and uh, we have zero plans. Yeah. Well, I have plans. You're gonna
1: have so much fun. Um, go hike a mountain in Boulder. Smoke a lot of weed. You're gonna have a great
0: time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I have one plan, and that's going to the fucking head shop or the the spinster. That's the only thing that's on the books. Uh, (laughs) What's funny is like telling like I, I, I. comedians have like a, such a weird social thing that like if, we, if somebody's traveling it's like oh what are you traveling for and it's the only reason we travel I don't know any of my comedy right. friends who and if they are traveling for non-comedy purposes you book shows with the, when you're there because exactly
1: yeah. and so like everybody who comes through town in Austin you're like oh why are you here and they're like oh well I had a wedding and so I booked like, a week of shows or yeah. whatever like it's <laughs> yeah, always
0: yeah like our, our families love us because whenever we're like oh yeah I'll come visit you know Aunt June and then like and you get there it's like hey I can only stay for five minutes I'm doing a set so
1: like, right.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, I did the same thing. I went to go see family in Madison last year and, did book shows but yeah this one is just uh uh you know i've been doing some i been doing more traveling lately and uh one of my girlfriend's friends asked her why does your boyfriend always go on vacation without you oh no (laughs) yeah and i was like it's work kind of you know
1: so (laughs) well that's nice of you that you're taking her on a vacation
0: yeah it feels good feels good so we're gonna we're gonna have a good time uh you know who didn't have a good time in colorado (laughs) Hey, there you go. Good segue. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, well, let's start this. Basically, today I want to talk about the hard drive company that was big in the 80s uh, called Scribe. all right? Now, MiniScribe, miniScribe. okay. Uh, Mini Scribe was a manufacturer of computer hard drives that was founded in Longmont, Colorado in 1980. It was started by a man named Terry Johnson. Big T. Don't
1: trust a Terry.
0: Never trust a Terry.
1: Do not trust
0: yeah. a Terry. At least a male Terry, yeah. no good. <laughs> oh, yeah. No good. Um, ter- even, uh, female Terry's, actually, I've had a good track record with. My dad, yeah. my first stepmom was named Terry. Excellent woman. Terry Hatcher, hats off, you know? So, sure, yeah. <laughs> female Terry's A-OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Mary- Terry Johnson, uh, he was... Kind of a big deal in the hard drive world. He had previously worked at IBM, Memorex, and the very creatively named Storage Technology Corporation. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just you know, in case you were wondering, like you guys make freezers or like lockers, what's that? Uh, So, using these uh, industry connects, he landed a massive contract to supply IBM's burgeoning PC division. So he starts MiniScribe. They get in good with uh, with IBM, and and that's when IBM was like really like uh, starting to crank out like PCs. You know, essentially like computers
1: right uh, like this is around the time where you could actually feasibly have a computer in your home
0: yeah like that was like the first time it was happening um so Yeah, this contract ultimately became the bread and butter of MiniScribe, uh, and the resulting profits established them as industry leaders in just three years. Uh, This rapid growth led to them making their first initial public offering in late 1983, and by January 1984, the company was being publicly traded. So things are humming along quite nicely uh, for the good folks at MiniScribe in in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, Later that year, IBM released the IBM XT, which was essentially the same as their previous PC, but now with an included hard drive. So you know that was a, a fun little thing that, that hadn't been there. Before. I don't
1: understand how you could even have a computer without a hard drive. Yeah, it was, seems important.
0: It it, it, uh, it like it does. I think well, everyone video game systems didn't have a hard drive. And like they have like the certain they have like a like I would imagine they have like a, an, an operating system that's kind of like background a little bit you know okay and, so it's
1: like but you couldn't save you couldn't say a it lot said, of stuff yeah on yeah it. okay yeah it just did pro- it did processing and that's it correct yes okay uh,
0: Okay. so as i said here i said uh, having no nudes to store the american public didn't really embrace the xt uh <laughs> yeah all nudes were hard copies at this point um so
1: yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah so they didn't really embrace the XT. you don't need
1: to keep a backup of your archive because yeah. you just have it in your hands
0: yeah what people used to do is they used to keep a, a, a little lockbox full of polaroid photos of various naked right. pictures of them and people they've had sex with and, and boy then, was america you know, a horrible place back then
1: and then you know there wasn't file sharing but people would do the polite thing when you're done with that pornography you would uh put it all in a box and then put it in the woods yes. for children to fight
0: yes 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 for, for some curious 11 year old boys to stumble across exactly
1: uh, and then like, that was like a proto version of File Share.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the boys would be like, Guys, I don't know. No, let's just get out of here. We put it <laughs> down, we shouldn't look at it. Oh. Uh, um, yeah. I was like I, when it came to like doing bad stuff as a kid, I like I eventually fully embraced it but there was like a a few years where I was the one that was just panicking like when anything was You were a good boy? Yeah I just like I didn't like my parents were my dad. my dad was a drill sergeant like not like a metaphor or like a, you know like he was right no literally a literal hat and everything drill sergeant so um so like yeah I just you know like trouble was uh trouble was big at my plate and I just didn't like I just thought if you got in trouble adults always are you doing something bad adults always had their shit together they were always gonna notice and you were always gonna get caught uh, yeah i was giving them way too much credit so
1: <laughs> yeah as
0: i got older and i realized that like oh man these guys are fucking falling apart man Like, so I,
1: <laughs> I think i think that was what i thought as a kid too like it was just a, a cost benefit analysis of like Adults will find out and then I'll yeah. get in trouble. Like yeah, a, the yeah. idea of like being able to hide something from my parents was like, did not enter into my brain. Yeah.
0: Just completely alien. Like, no, my parents are omnipresent They They see even right. things locked in my box. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so anyways, uh, that, that, that that's a little brief history of nudity and crime. Um, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so they released the IBMs So, uh, now, yeah, this led to uh, IBM because they didn't really catch on the XT. So it led IBM to dramatically reduce their orders for the next year. Uh, seeing as how IBM was essentially their only customer, uh, this forced MiniScribe to lay off 26% of their workforce. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, poor guys, uh, which caused their uh, their stock value to plummet. Uh, founder and CEO Terry Johnson promptly left the company, as Terry's do. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> fucking Terry. Yeah, man. yeah.
0: Hey, man, I got I to gotta go, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man! So he said. Uh, he said he had been planning the departure for some time and insisted it had nothing to do with IBM. Again, as Terry's are wont to do.
1: <laughs> right? Sure, Terry. Whatever yeah. you say, pal.
0: Yeah, Terry. I knew I get a pack of smokes. Um, <laughs> oh man! I worked with a with a, like very Terry. Type Terry at a, at Pizza Hut, uh, and he was this like older dude that lived with his mother still, and she, cause she was on my my girlfriend's street, and so I knew that. And he, uh, he he would come to my band's shows, and he would get like super drunk and like slosh around in the mosh pit. And then I worked at a at a Pizza Hut with him, and one day he's like, "Hey, man, they said that you could rap," and I was like, "Yeah, I rap." And he's like, "Oh, I have a little dumb little rap I do." I was like, oh, okay. He goes, I'll just show it to you someday. I was like, please don't, but all right. And then the <laughs> next day, I'm making pizzas, and I like, I smell the booze before I see him. As oh, I remember. no. And I turn, and he's two inches from my face, and he goes, I was walking down the street just beating my meat, beating my meat to the sound. I was like, well, what the fuck is this, Terry? And he, he was like, this is the song, the, the, the rap that I do. And I was like, yo, you got to get the fuck out of my face, man. <laughs> like... And then,
1: that's amazing yeah
0: that's a, that is a true one and then uh, a couple hours later he got fired because there was two, <laughs> there was two drivers arguing over how to uh, the best route to take to deliver several pizzas and, and you know the least time like an argument that happened all the time and sure. this, this dude normally he was like he was a boxer cutter dude and he would just stay off in his lane and just be drunk over there and he was yeah. like he was like extra drunk he goes well the fucker you need to is go to have veterans they're like terry no it doesn't like no go down fucking vet he wasn't even a driver he wouldn't matter to him <laughs> no so, he just
1: had an opinion yeah he just
0: had an opinion and he was drunk as shit and he needed to let him know and so they're like terry you gotta get out of here man you gotta go you're drunk and he got fired <laughs> yeah so
1: the story i want to tell you is enhanced by the fact that um terry is hulk hogan's real name oh yeah terry and So. I'm just imagining this is Hulk Hogan yeah. all this. <laughs> talk- in both your story about Pizza Hut and the CEO of this company. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. After he left, he left uh, uh, fucking uh, mini scribe and he started working at Pizza Hut with me and then, then later <laughs> rose to the top of the WWF. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: so, uh, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, he told one reporter, uh, he said, You know, it's a very low inertia industry. You can blow... Well, I'm sorry. It's a very low inertia industry, brother. (laughs) You can blow your way into it and you can get blown out very quickly. (laughs) And then he threw the reporter through a table. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Anyways. uh, So... Um, now the company was kind of in, uh, in disarray at this point. Nobody knew what they were going to do. So, uh, company president Roger Gower took over the CEO role as well, and he immediately uh, saved the uh, cash-starved company by securing a twenty million dollar loan from a San Francisco-based venture capital firm, Hambrickton Quist. So, uh, te- that sounds made up. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> uh, Silicon Valley, uh, just you know, it, it just helping out the worst people on earth since the mid eighties. Um, so, as part of the deal, Hambrick and Quist insisted on appointing one of their officers to take over the role of CEO. So, they appointed one QT Wiles. Uh, QT Wiles, Quinton Thomas Wiles, uh, is just a... He's a jowly man. He's just a large... The picture I found him... Okay. He's probably dead now. He was 70 in the 1980s, and he was not in good shape. Uh, I'm sure he's dead. But he, I don't know what he sounds like. He looks like he sounds like Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> And, uh, I
1: know that, like I'm ima- you know the like, there's a point of jowliness where it starts to actually affect how you speak. Yes, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like that's what I'm imagining.
0: Yeah, th- this was that he was there. Um, so yeah, and, uh, and he was he was known as a, tu- as a turnaround specialist. Essentially, he would go into failing companies and, and whip them into shape. Uh, he did this almost exclusively in the tech world, uh, mm-hmm. and on Wall Street, he was known as Mister Fix It. Yeah. Okay. And in the bedroom, also self-described Mister Fixit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just jowls flapping. All right. So, um, <laughs> from all accounts, Q.T. Wiles was a very unpleasant man. Uh, his subordinates uh, likened him to totalitarian dictators throughout history. I couldn't find any reference to what specific dictators. So I just imagined it probably varied from like Hitler to Mussolini. Um,
1: yeah, you know, just kept keep it fresh.
0: Yeah. So, Throwing
1: pot every once yeah,
0: in a while. Some like really. Some, yeah, yeah, some like real learned guy in the office. Like, oh, a Mao over here. And you're like, all right, shut up, guy. <laughs> all right, so uh, from yeah, so he was uh, He was described as abusively demanding, aggressive, and uh, one person said he was intolerant of other people's views. So above all, he was also a bigot. <laughs> like, but yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> this guy also sounds like Hulk Hogan.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was Hulk. Hogan. Yeah, it was Hulk. this guy. He's he's he behaves like uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, he he's looks, being a
1: real terrorist Yeah, he's a real Terry.
0: But he looks like a real Paul Bearer, is what he looks like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, the worst of both worlds. Yeah.
0: When Paul Bearer died, do you know that he was only like in his 40s? so that means yeah that when, I heard when, that. when we saw him in, in the 90s when he looked like a fucking corpse he was in his 20s <laughs> <laughs> I know that was makeup but he was also just looked like a dead. weird
1: looking man yeah, he, yeah. Looked, he
0: looked like he was like three seconds away from just kicking it right then <laughs> so uh, anyways yeah so uh, QT he came in swinging uh, and he immediately broke the company up into 20 independent non-cooperating units similar to one Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos yeah yeah. this is what they do folks yeah. they with the left hand's not talking to the right hand then the the dicks in the middle grinning is an old saying from the from the hills
1: <laughs> i don't know if you totally understand how anatomy works but i, I, but I know I, what you mean
0: yeah thank you glad you do but uh, <laughs>
1: it's easy to to like the the more you can obfuscate uh transparency the less trans the least transparent you can be the better yes for your employees yeah. if you're trying to commit some kind of
0: yes yeah, exactly. shenanigans and also in life if you can like keep your social sphere uh, separated similar to the way Christmas popcorn comes in the tin like man you
1: can burn a lot yeah Yeah, you really can you can burn many bridges if if you do that
0: the one thing that's like it's not funny to me but like with with like uh, they talk about self-policing within the comedy community when it comes to like you know sexual assault and things like that Uh, I I, I totally understand it you know uh, but like what always is kind of the back of my head I'm like yeah we all know he's a rapist but when he gets outed from LA and moves back to you know Longmont Colorado and gets a job at an office. They don't know that, like
1: right. Yeah, it's like okay, he's out of comedy maybe, but like. He's still around. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, yeah, as long as he's not touching any comics, and we know that for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, anyways, yeah. So he did that. Then he uh, he stocked his uh, sales management team exclusively with
1: accountants. <laughs> okay. One, yeah, that's like I, I, like you know the most naturally charismatic people yeah, to sell yeah, your yeah, product. Yeah.
0: Not the people who just have a devilish understanding of how numbers work. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So he, uh, he he stocks them with accountants. Uh, now this didn't have a fast and positive impact on increasing profits but uh, this wasn't QT's first rodeo he then instituted a time tested method for increasing sales he demanded insane quotas from his sales team and put huge amounts of pressure on them if they didn't
1: deliver Uh, he would literally and then he's like why can't you sell anything and they're like we are accountants you are an idiot
0: and uh, they said he would uh, he had a, a, a penalty box that he would put people in and I was not able to glean if it was Metaphorical or literal, uh, <laughs> neither would surprise me. But to top it all off, all this asshole behavior, all the things he's doing—that's that, all shitty. Uh, to top it all off, to, to make him even like an even worse type of boss, he also wasn't even in Denver or Longmont at the time. He ran the whole thing via phone from his house, his mansion in Sherman Oaks, California.
1: <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> what a fucking asshole! So he's like,
0: what your numbers, Get in the box. Is he in the box, guys? <laughs> Tell me he's in the box. <laughs> Get him in the box. Yeah, I can hear when he's in the box or not.
1: <laughs> God, that is like, I mean, we've we've both had some shitty bosses. Yeah. And, like, you often wish your boss... Wasn't around, but how much more would you resent your fucking boss if they ran the company from their mansion (laughs) in Sherman Oaks, California? Just fuck that. Yeah,
0: fuck you. You know he's naked. You just know it. You know you
1: know it. You can tell. You can hear it in his voice.
0: (laughs) It's like when the gels affect the speech, you know? <laughs> dude. I can tell by the way the fucking sound waves are f- f- flopping off his belly. I know he's with. I know he's making. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, QT and his team of math wizards did get to work though, and in four years, Miniscribe roared back to profitability. Uh, by 1988, the company had surpassed their IBM era sales record of 114 million by posting 688 million in sales for that fiscal year. Uh, All right. Yeah in fact they were and during this they were named the most well-managed company in the disk drive industry by whoever keeps an eye on that kind of shit. I don't
1: know. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, is that a thing? By some nerd. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's some hard drive fan in the middle of the country. He's like, I would have to say many scribes doing really well. So at this point, Compaq Computers uh, was their biggest customer, uh, but they were bidding for contracts with Apple and uh, another creatively named Digital Equipment Corporation <laughs> is, I love the ones <laughs> mm-hmm. The blank Like you know What's going on here So Yeah <laughs> So at this time You know This is all uh, This is all popping uh, Everything's going good uh, Numbers are getting Put on the board Yes I'm stalling To go check to see If we're still recording <laughs> Alright yeah So so, things are going good, uh, and in January 1987, uh, in, in the heyday of Vinnie Scribe, uh, the company officers conducted a quick inventory in order to estimate their accounts prior to an independent review they had coming up from a third-party accounting firm uh, called Coopers & Uh Their internal inventory count showed that there was a shortfall between 2 to $4 million. So, 2 to $4 million is missing doesn't necessarily mean it's missing in cash, uh, It just... So, when money's missing... Unaccounted for. Uh, unaccounted for, and sometimes that's yeah. a reflection... Of like literally, like, it's like m- like mismanaged time or or like a mismanaged like project like almost manifesting itself as money on the books. It's like where's that two million? Right. From? Like oh, we didn't you know uh, take in the like the de- the uh, what do they call that the depreciation of like the products we bought or whatever. And so you know that-
1: right exactly yeah. It's for a company that big. It's like. It's, you know, something to investigate, but is not like, a huge glaring, like, oh, my God, what happened? Yeah,
0: like, somebody walked out of their fucking yeah. pocket or anything. So, this, right. is, uh, but, but this, di- this would imply, though, that the cost to produce the drives that did sell was higher than initially thought. So, mm. and if you properly booked that against sales, it would mean their operating margins would be less impressive, which means their stock price would go down. They'd be less, you know, uh, noticeable to investors. It's, you know, it's a bad look. So, uh, yeah. they looked into it, and uh, instead of reporting it, a number of the managers decided to cover it up with various means uh they then produced an inflated inventory count and then broke into the accountants lock boxes and replaced their independent count to match the newly inflated numbers so Whoa, yeah this okay. wasn't even no like corporate wizardry where like i can make like you know like the dude from enron and shit like i can make this disappear this was like literally like like yo you just fucking write something else and like it like waited until the guy went home and they went and broke into his office and put yeah
1: it in. Yeah. So, yeah this isn't like some creative math this is like <laughs> yeah breaking and entering and white out yeah then-
0: yeah yeah for like that, so so they did this, and so now they have the two to four million accounted for for now. But the thing is, you know, money always shows back up, and doesn't like, you know you can't just pull money from somewhere else without it not- them noticing that. So uh, in July 1987, uh, Parker, the director of Far East operations, uh, told Wiles, uh Man, that something was amiss. Uh, so in August, Wiles traveled to, to the Hong Kong and Singapore uh, offices, and he just found things completely in disarray. Uh, the inventory fall uh, from that fall uh, from that fall that, that showed the numbers I'm sorry the inventory count from that fall showed that the numbers had grown to 15 million so there's 15 million dollars missing now mostly in Colorado uh a report
1: wait 15 million with an m right yeah with an m
0: yeah so okay yeah I
1: thought you said billion I was like excuse me okay so instead of one to two it's actually 15
0: yeah so now it's 15 so a report was prepared to consider various solutions, but Wiles suggested, "This is Wiles, the boss." They continue hiding the problem because basically, what happens is we have a two to four million dollar loss. As time goes on, that shit just compounds and it just, you know, yeah. it just gets bigger. So because you didn't do anything didn't except do yeah.
1: change the number on a book.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, so. A report was prepared to consider various solutions, but Wilde suggested they continue hiding the problem, uh, ordering all copies of the report to be destroyed. He said, them, oh, my goodness. Put them in my jowls. I'll keep them hidden.
1: <laughs> put them in the penalty box.
0: Are they in there? I can hear if they're in there. All right, so, uh, so the... Uh, yeah, so the, the company at this point continues to uh, post impressive numbers, you know, oddly enough. Uh, but there were troubling signs. Among them was that the company continued to post improving margins, while the rest of the hard drive industry was suffering from rapidly falling margins due to ongoing downward price pressure. So, you know, like it's, it's, it's again, like I saw so many things that were just like we're starting to see the points of these scams where you're doing too good at this point. Mm-hmm. Like the entire, industry, yeah. yeah, the entire industry is, you know, is is seeing a down uh, a downward trend in pricing because that's what technology does it gets cheaper you know and, and uh, they're the only people that are you know not showing that so
1: and right that- right
0: yeah. So in 1988, the board of directors became concerned when the company's uh, re- companies reported receivables grew dramatically, indicating a large amount of unpaid billables. So while at the same time inventories were going up, indicating unsold products. So they, mm. yeah. So they, like uh, these, those two numbers are normally at odds. You know, I mean, increased receivables should indicate increased sales, which would normally right. result in increased inventory.
1: Deplete, deplete inv- no, it would deplete yeah. inventory, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It'd be like, I, I follow.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah, so it'd be like you know if you sold uh, uh popsicles and you and you stole a bunch of money out the register and your boss came and said well where'd you get all that money he's like, i sold all these popsicles he's like well we still have all the popsicles and then exactly. you, you, you okay. push the stand over and punch your boss in the face and run out of them mall. so <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: how it I, sounds like you may be speaking from personal experience but we don't need to get into it
0: yeah i yeah, uh, you know i actually i i can't talk about that no i'm joking uh, so um <laughs> So yeah, so that, that they they noticed that. So the directors began an internal investigation in October, while the company reported another record-setting quarter for that period, in spite of failing to win either the Apple or the DEC contracts. Now I, I thought they were looking for those those the Apple contract and the the the. Digital Electronics Corporation, those guys, they were like looking to like deal deal with them, which would increase the like he, he vastly increase the size of the company. And the market, right. the market knew about it, the market was looking at it and it was speculating it. And so, again, you know, you tell your boss you're going to have a huge popsicle windfall and sell all the popsicles to everybody in the mall. <laughs> and he shows up and you got a bunch of money. And you're like, Did you get those, those contracts? Everybody in the mall, you're like, oh, Actually, those are going to go through. And he's like, What the fuck are you doing with all these popsicles? Anyway, so
1: <laughs> so that's
0: where they're at now. So the, the investigation uh, revealed. That you know, Wiles, he had set these uh, ironclad um, sales forecasts and pushed these. You know, these. He would say, "I'm going to have these numbers on the board by this time. I guarantee." You know, is what he'd say. <laughs> uh, so you know, and then what happens with that? Which when you put. Unrealistic pressure on people to produce—they're gonna either not produce or they're gonna produce in a in a in an untruthful way, and that's exactly what happened.
1: Right? Yeah. So so it's it's compounding on itself now. Where like this guy is trying to cover his tracks by forcing everybody to work yes. harder and make these quotas, and they are going to respond to that by lying about it and not selling as much and so it just gets worse
0: and worse yeah, and worse yeah. and then so and then with what you know when you're, you're the uh business numbers they 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 compare <laughs> on, a, on a monthly cycle or a quarterly cycle and so what you know the sales team they would touch up the numbers uh by reporting documents as they move back up the chain and then wiles would respond to those positive reports by setting even higher sales targets because okay right we, yeah you did this last month we got to do this much this month which i've been in sales so before and that happens, and it's so fucking stupid to me because, like, man, okay, uh, <laughs> we were talking for just one second earlier today. I, I've i been radicalized. <laughs> I've always thought this. Like, I've always had a problem with that way things go, but I've never heard it put into That's words. That's a
1: goddamn leftist. Oh like, yeah, everybody. I'm a fucking leftist,
0: guys. Uh, I've, I never, I've always had this, like, this feeling, and I never heard somebody express it. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they talked about how capitalism does not have stasis. It's only about growth, and yeah. And so, when you you, all you're doing is forcing things to grow, where does that come from eventually? What do you like if you if you're if you want to have the world's biggest fire, he's gonna keep throwing shit in the fire, and then eventually you run out of shit. What do you do? You go find other right? I
1: mean, that's like the whole idea of like a bubble bursting is yeah, is only something that like really happens when you have capitalism like we have, yeah, this constant pressure for growth, growth over growth over growth over growth. Eventually, that is. Going to be artificially inflated. There's yeah.
0: no, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, and that's and that's exactly it. And like I remember like working sales jobs. I'd be like, all right, well, you sold this much last, much last month. We want to sell this much now. You got to sell this much this month. And it would be like, well, like, th- what the fuck do you even think last month? As why is last month even similar to this month? Like, what? There's no correlation. Right. Why? Like, why same. would
1: we do better this month? There's yeah. no. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You yeah. can't just be like, we'll work harder. Like that's yeah. not a thing. That doesn't. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't magically make people want more hard drives.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When, oh, man, when I worked for AT&T, we would have to do these sales calls, like these, uh, these, these like, you know, check in like quarterly report things. I think it, was, it was monthly, and uh, monthly sales calls, and we'd all have to get you know, everybody in the fucking store and have to get on the sales call. And uh, it was really, like corporate AT and We were talking like the regional director right. of sales, and uh, he was a pretty chilled out guy. But if somebody mentioned the phrase "luck of the draw" about what kind of customer you got versus what kind of sale you got, he would like people would go. I mean, you know, how do I know that uh, if I'm just getting the customers that don't want cable or don't want iPhones, it's just luck yeah. of the draw. And if you would say "luck of the draw," you could almost hear him like snap a pencil He'd right just be like no well, there's, n-
1: there's no such thing as luck it's all about what yeah. you make it blah, yeah. blah 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 yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck man. that shit yeah fuck it to death <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh so yeah so that was what was going on with the uh, with the sales frauds. Now, so of the unconventional practices that they were doing, uh, there was a few. Um, now, like of uh, the things they would do to drive the sales, uh, was sometimes a customer, uh, a computer manufacturer, or something would would order hard drives, and they would get shipped twice as many hard drives as they had ordered.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, just because they, they were trying to offload this inventory. Yeah,
0: well, what they would do is that the mistake would be rectified, and the excess equipment taken back, but only after the quarterly accounts had showed the full double consignment. As a sale. Ah. So that they get it back. But then all that does is buy you. A quarter, if that, abides you like, right because you know, the next quarter it's like
1: a Ponzi scheme. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Like if, you're, a, you're running yeah. on
0: yourself. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. So they would get it back, and then you, you, it was like it's, it's like when you overdraft your bank account. You overdraft by three hundred dollars. Then the check hits, and you're three hundred dollars short out of that check, and you're three hundred dollars short out of that. Yeah. And then yep. you work at that fucking popsicle stand for two years, and like, look, calf. I don't have time to talk about the popsicle stand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm loving this Popsicle metaphor. Yeah. Please, keep
0: it going. <laughs> well, no, I definitely, uh, I have definitely um, twice in my younger days got caught in a vicious overdraft cycle. It, it's-
1: Oh yeah, same. It's uh, It's
0: the worst, man. And I remember where it started. It was uh, it was July 4th and I went to the bank. I was probably like 20 years old, maybe 19. I was, I was very young. I just, and I was working as a bill collector. So yeah, fuck me. But I, uh, <laughs> I went into the bank that was owned by the same company who owned a bill collection place, which I, there has to be something wrong with that. And uh, I go in there and I was like, I need to get this much money out. And the lady was like, oh, you don't have that much in your account. I was like, oh shit. And the girl goes, well, you can use overdraft protection. I said, oh, okay, let me get, she said, you can do it to 300 in the overdraft. I said, okay, let me get 100. And she goes, look, if I can tell you, you may just want to get to the full 300 because it's going to be a $35 fee either way and I was like okay.
1: right it's like oh you're really only paying a 10% fee because yeah. so then I, you I, know if you get 300 yes. blah, blah, yeah so then
0: I walked out of there on 4th of July with $300 in my pocket which I don't even think I went there I don't even think they, they I paid for the thing I meant to take the money out to pay for in the first fucking place
1: and, <laughs> you just had a great oh, man, of July. We had a
0: blast and then I was like the next day I was like <laughs> how am I going to figure this shit out like, and, and I was stuck in that fucking cycle for a, a, a year you know, like, it was it was crazy
1: yeah it's It's bad. I mean, I like. uh, I got very close. Like when in my first couple years in Austin, when I was making minimum wage, like I got very close to doing a payday loan, which. I'm so glad I never actually did, but because that's the say it just yeah it just fucks you like yeah. it's you get so desperate in the moment and it it com- completely ruined your yep. your life. It's horrible.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I anyway,
1: I, this podcast is now fully radicalized. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, very yeah, excited, yeah, yeah. proud to announce. It. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, I just like it was it's uh, oh man, I don't want to on too many sides, but yeah, I it, it's just kind of funny. Like I've always like felt these this way about shit like I'm always kind of like Definitely been on like yeah fuck the corporation side thing, but now that I've been doing, yeah. I've been doing a lot of reading. And like I'm just kind of like you know what? <laughs> I, I, I have the terminology to sit on top of the way that I thought that I thought, and I'm like okay, now I have the the language to explain it to myself. And I like
1: yeah, and I think like a lot of people who've like worked the type of jobs that you've had are yes. in that position. Yeah, it's just that they don't necessarily know the words or like have a have like an ideology they can point to that's like oh this actually explains all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I had a friend in from my hometown who, as anybody who knows me on Facebook knows, my my hometown. Yeah,
1: that's Facebook is eventful. Yeah,
0: that shit is lit. (laughs) (laughs) Because half of my friends are like leftist comedians, and the other half are like blue collar construction workers from my hometown. Right, and uh, and
1: it's like these people actually have a ton in common and could probably yeah figure some shit out if they if they were able to sit down and. Really have a real conversation about it, but it's Facebook, so you can't. So yeah. it's just a nightmare.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Today was I, I just got, I just checked out. I was like, I'm out of here. I, 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 that's what I do. I'll, and, and I'm such a prick for it too. I'll throw it. I'll throw the Molotov and just leave. <laughs> and, like, and I'll check, yeah, 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 I'll yeah, Check back in. It's like 18 missed comments, and it's like so many like fucking snake flag profile pictures. You know, like, snake
1: <laughs> flag people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah snake flag people. Uh, yeah. Just, it's, it's 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 um it's a real shit heap in there so uh anyway so yeah so they would do that you know they did, they um they would uh they would count it out they then um sometimes what they would do is uh they would okay so they would count when it suited them cargoes sent by sea from their warehouse in Singapore as delivered on the day they left, bringing the actual sale ahead by, mm. by several weeks. So... Again, just, just,
1: you're fucking yourself later, but you're... Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Uh, so... Yeah, so that's what they were doing, and then so uh, now faulty drives that were returned by customers would count on the negative side of the balance sheet. So many scribes started to, to miss some of those off the accounts too. Instead, they would be sent out to different customers to repeat the cycle, and they would just send it back, and eventually if it just keep getting wow. sent back. You never have to book the loss. <laughs> like, so, wow. Yeah. So like I I can't imagine like all that, and at this point what you by by having these crazy sales things on your people and also just by obviously not paying attention to them you, what they're doing now is they're sacrificing your brand's reputation just for their own well-being in the office like
1: right yeah just so it, for your sort of short-term saving your neck
0: yeah yeah exactly so yeah. you don't get your fucking ass handed to you by qt wiles on the phone uh, yeah yeah you don't
1: have to go in the penalty box yeah yeah
0: <laughs> Some guy just some sad sack accountant turned salesman just walks into work and just doesn't even go to his desk, just walks straight to the middle. box <laughs> <laughs> I
1: just
0: know I'm gonna end up here, I was gonna sit here now. Um uh, <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, so they would yeah, they would do that. Now uh, the employees would joke that some of the the drives were traveling so much that their cardboard boxes were wearing out, and it actually wasn't a joke because they fucking were. Uh, I thought it, I imagined like it coming back like in like in they
1: Lo- wouldn't even change the boxes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, then I was like thinking it was like when a, on like Looney Tunes or whatever, where like a like a package would go around the world in forty seconds and come back, and it had all the stickers all over it, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, to inflate these sales even further, uh, intermediate warehouses were set up in the U.S., and stock was sent to them to await customer orders booked that sa- was booked to sale. So, instead of saying I'm going to keep everything in my warehouse until it gets mm. sold, I'm going to go get a, a little fucking ghost warehouse, a little phantom warehouse, and I'm going to send all of my inventory there in a sale. And then when people... Right. Yeah, and then when people...
1: I sold it to this warehouse I also <laughs> own.
0: And if you want to buy one I'll sell it to you from that warehouse exactly yeah. exactly that like that point, damn that has to be the least foresight like of the one it's just like at that point what are you doing you know like
1: so, yeah like why are you still making these drives like just yeah, you have enough yeah. it sounds like
0: <laughs> well okay no the, now that was actually the thing what was well, that comes into play so at this point they're not making enough money to make more d- drives funny you should say okay that.
1: so there's it's there's just one box and they keep just sending the box to everybody. yes
0: yes okay uh, Kath, <laughs> are you a fan of the uh, old usa network television show burn notice <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, my brother was a huge fan of that show. Yeah, I wasn't. He a, really was.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a fan or non-fan either way. But I've actually only seen one. I've seen a couple episodes, but one of the episodes was uh, uh, the deep. Um, he he was helping a a store in little in little Cuba in in little Havana in Miami that was getting ransacked by thugs, and he like showed up as like the new protection racket thug in town, and like right. so he's like give me ten grand to the store owner. He gives him ten grand, and he was like then he was like I'm gonna make it look like I'm the guy extorting you now and so he would show up and fuck the guy's place up and then like at the end of the episode he came back and the thugs had left because they were scared of the new extortion guy and then he came <laughs> and he gave him his 10 grand back and he was like yeah I actually need to just throw that into an account three or four times make it look like it a deposited $40,000 <laughs> like I know, it, was just, I'm sure it was a cool thing so anyways I'll try to talk less about burn notice in the future but
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the company was running out of inventory uh, and the money to Make more units just wasn't there. They didn't have the money to make it, so right they needed to sell units to make money, and they needed money to make units. We all know that is this, this one. So the executives knew that orders sent to overseas warehouses usually sat for a few weeks before being distributed to customers. This is especially like they're they had a warehouse in Singapore. That's where they kept all the right. Overseas. So they so when it goes there, it gets it gets stays there for a few weeks, uh, and then then it gets di- distributed out. So what they decided that they should do is they were like, well, hey, what if we just sent an order there and then this huge order and then we went ahead and uh, waited a week and then we did a recall on those and said that the serial numbers, uh, these, these following serial numbers are defective. We need to recall. it. All those serial numbers are in that order, mm. right? But what are they going to send over there? They don't have anything to send, right? They got to send boxes. <laughs> they got to have boxes, but the boxes got to weigh something. So what are they going to put in those boxes? if you're playing along at home bricks they put fucking
1: bricks they mail bricks to singapore actual
0: fucking build a house three little the smartest three little pigs house bricks
1: (laughs) at what point working for this company when you're sitting in an assembly line mailing bricks <laughs> are you like this is unsustainable
0: yeah. <laughs> this business model does not seem to have <laughs> traction in today's market <laughs> yeah uh well okay So this is what oh, man this is what's fuck what's funny you say how, how much longer do you work for a place that has you stuffing bricks in a box right uh, Well, Calf that Place answered the question for them by laying off their shipping department in the middle of December, right before Christmas.
1: Oh shit! So they were like, "We can't have any uh, eyewitnesses to this brick mailing." Well, you no, know, well here's the thing: let's fire all our brick F- Fire
0: a butt! But here, but what's the thing? Is like, I d- this is where they were just being fucking high on the smell of their own ass because they. They, if you, if I had somebody commit a crime for me that worked for me, and I want to, hey, keep quiet about that. Yeah, you crime, pay them off. You pay, leave them on the I would fire payroll. before fucking Christmas time, you know. and yeah. that's what they did. Just
1: c- creating they, a whole bunch of bitter people who yes. have some secrets to tell.
0: Of um, yeah, and so they did. They, yeah, so they, they shipped the bricks, and they did the brick. <laughs> the brick thing worked. They shipped the bricks out, uh, and the company then in, immediately embarked on a, on a round of layoffs just before the 1989 christmas shutdown including several of the employees who were involved in the brick scheme so
1: wow okay so i didn't realize too this is like they were named the best managed company like a year before a year before, this. before yeah. like this is not it's not like they had a long decline or anything no, this no, is no, like it, it's so, the same time
0: yeah yeah wow. it, like, yeah it just happened so I, I would imagine immediately after walking out of the building, several of the employees were involved in the Brick Scream, Brick scream, Brick Scheme. Sorry, folks. The Brick Scheme <laughs> immediately called Denver area newspapers who immediately broke the story. Uh, Hell yeah. And there was an immediate investigation of the Singapore and Colorado branches and the fraud was confirmed. Uh, now, at this point, uh MiniScribe scribe uh, re- reported a 14.6 million loss dollar loss for the fourth quarter of, uh, of 1988 and in may MiniScribe scribe announced that its financial reports for 1986 1987 and 1988 were unreliable <laughs> so shocker yeah uh the company then said uh that the following monday that they actually re-examined their financial status and they showed a negative net worth <laughs> Wow, yeah,
1: so like, oh hey, uh, just kidding, we actually are in massive debt,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, okay, so now in uh in nineteen eighty two uh miniscribe uh, paid ninety three million to settle claims relating to their work uh, for miniscribe in this era, um, wow, and you know what it's I'm glad to know that the, uh, <laughs> the largest amount of the 93 million dollars went to the people who deserve it most. The third-party uh inventory and uh, third-party auditing company that went over their, their numbers and got it wrong
1: motherfucker <laughs> yeah. god damn yeah. it
0: yeah give, what, it
1: to the brick give it to the brick
0: people <laughs> yeah give the brick people the money man like that's fuck that <laughs> that's so man like okay uh one time my ex-girls I'm sorry, my current girlfriend's ex-company. There you go, okay. Uh, <laughs> she's worked for a restaurant called Texas Landing Cattle. Uh, if you ever see him spit on it. But uh, they, they did so much... Shitty shit, because that there, that brand Texas Land and Cattle, for some odd reason, is like a, a favorite among restaurant tours. They uh-huh. love that brand. I don't know what appeals to them about it, but and she worked at the, the company for eleven years, and mm-hmm. at the 11, ten years at one store at the Clean Texas store. Uh, yeah, and there they've been bought out like two or three times by fucking restaurant tours who. They're like, they were like, they, they gave the same thing, like, ah, this is my pet project, I've always loved this brand, and I, I just think it can be done right. And, and Newsflash never did. Uh, and yeah. so, so the, the one store she was working at, she was on her way to work, and this was uh, literally, around, literally around Christmas. She was on, I remember this. Yeah, 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 she was on her way to work, and her friend got there before her, and was like, yo, we don't have a job, the place is shut down, it's locked up. So- Yeah, like closed up, like closed, boarded up. nothing, so then like, but before that had happened, that this is just infuriating, and I would actually like to do an episode about this if I could find more data about it. Uh, they found out that over the like over the past ten years, which d- d- affected my girlfriend Priscilla because she worked there for those ten years. It wasn't like she just heard about this shit; and it just showed up. Right. It was. Her, she was there the whole time. So there the whole time they had been. Um, incorrectly calculating tip payouts on <sighs> the on the things and, and to, to the favor of the company.
1: And yeah. so like the rough estimate probably owed thousands of dollars. Yes.
0: For that. The roughest well, I, well so the rough estimate was they were like they were just crunching the numbers they were like yo even if they were just taking accidentally taking a dollar from everybody which is, do- is definitely way more than that. Let's say they only accidentally a yeah. dollar and this is from every fucking store there took a dollar and, and like that alone you, you're like it's like I don't know 15 grand maybe 15,000 employees or whatever uh, that'll be yeah. $15,000 they get paid every two weeks and you're looking at like you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that was that was done incorrectly that was taken from them so the the word got out I don't know why they told them to tell, to tell the, the employees they're like corporate's gonna see what they're gonna do about it and corporate decided mm. that they were just gonna keep the fucking money they just kept it they just, just got, didn't do yeah, didn't, just, didn't do shit. Didn't do anything. Reported it to the employees that they, yeah, you guys have definitely been getting screwed, and they just kept it. And just, they just wow. Really it and they and like they were like, "Yeah, sorry guys." They're, it wasn't like they just let it die. They were like, "Inform your employees. There will not be you know th- th- this is not going to be reimbursed." Jesus, somebody should have fucking sued them. Yeah, yeah, like they were talking about it, and I, I mean, I don't I don't know what happened, but uh, so we you know we want to get down to the uh, to the nuts and bolts of what happened to uh, to some of these people involved here. Uh, right.
1: Yeah. So they, the company had to pay $90 to million, $93 million. $93 million
0: to, the, uh, to their also rich um, and, uh, auditing company. Who-
1: auditing company where it's like you're the auditing company and you didn't catch that they were hiding stuff from you. Yeah. You don't get more money for yeah. that. You're yeah. an auditing company. You, you're yeah. bad at auditing. Yeah, at,
0: at best you break even. That's like, that's the yeah yeah.
1: Okay, so so yeah, tell me, are there any more consequences so I can sleep at night?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but in 1994, QT Wiles, uh, QT the Jowl Wiles, the Jowl man yeah, yeah, was found. <laughs> QT the Jowl, QT, hey QT, yo, QT the Jowl sounds like a SoundCloud rapper. Uh, mm-hmm. So in
1: 1994,
0: QT Wiles is found guilty of inc insider trading and security fraud. Oh, because he definitely dumped uh, millions of... of um, he dumped like 1.3 million in stock before this shit went public, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got busted for insider trading and security fraud in 1995 and was sentenced to 36 months in jail and fined $60,000. After appeal, he began uh, serving his sentence in 1997. Um, other mini-scribe executives were also found guilty of various crimes and received lesser punishments, but... That is not actually the end of it. Uh, okay. A couple of years later, a judge in Galveston, Texas, and I don't know why that works like that. That like cases that happen in Colorado are getting judged are judged in Galveston. Uh, I'm sure. I think
1: a lot of like corporate law and like patent stuff goes through Texas courts for some reason. Okay. All right. I think there's like you know it's I think I can't remember the exact like conditions that make it uh Favorable to companies, but it's like you know a lot of credit card companies are based in Delaware because of like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, tax. yeah. it's yeah. it's like that but for litigation like for some reason people want like companies want to go through yeah, Texas yeah, courts probably to probably has settle like favor- things
0: favorable tax laws to them
1: exactly yeah 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 but anyway so Galveston um,
0: yeah so at this point what has happened what had happened a few years after that was um the the shareholders um of of Mini Scribe because it was a publicly traded company uh, yeah and they were they were definitely defrauded. Uh, they sued for five hundred fifty million, uh, and were, it was granted at first. It was, they were granted a five hundred fifty million yeah. dollar settlement. However, a judge in Galveston, Texas, uh, Judge Roy. In Gelke uh, said the verdict was not supported by sufficient evidence and overturned the verdict, and so they were not. Fuck
1: you, wrong. Roy.
0: Yeah, and so there was a. a uh, they did settle out of court with <laughs> Scribe or whatever corporate representation of Scribe was. Uh,
1: so they got a little bit, but not. They got that a little much. bit, yeah. Uh,
0: but you know, now the uh, uh, Coopers and Librand, that's the uh, the uh, accountants, uh, issued a statement Monday saying the judge's finding. Um, Oh, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. That, yeah, they were, these guys were trying to sue. Uh, Coopers and Ly- they tried to sue the uh, the, the, the owners, auditing company, tried to sue right? The auditing company for not catching it, and yeah. they were they were they were going to win, and then they they did not. They actually did a, do a, sett- a settlement though. And Coopers and Brand issued a statement saying the judge's finding was a vindication of its position that it was a victim of massive and collusive fraud by its former clients. So they they said, "Hey oh. man, hey hey, we're victims of all this shit too, man." So yeah, you so, can't
1: be like okay, you can't be like yes, our job is to audit companies and make sure they're doing everything right Yes, and then go hey wait a minute you didn't do everything right and we didn't know yeah 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 shame like no that's the point of an audit (laughs) like
0: uh shout out to uh now, okay, here's, um, yeah, shout out to a guy named Joe Jamal. Jam- Jamal? Jamal? Uh, he was a Houston attorney. Joe Gmail. Joe Gmail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Joe Gmail. Joe at Gmail.com. Here uh, So as a Houston attorney, Joe Gmail uh, represented the plaintiffs in the Galveston case. Uh, he was able to actually squeeze $8.2 million out of them for the people. Uh, All right. For the people, not yeah. bad. Uh, and that guy uh, is actually best uh, known. He also won a $10 billion judgment against. Against uh, Pinzoil in 1985. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, oh, actually, it was for Pinzoil in a suit against Texaco, so fuck all those guys. Anyways. Oh,
1: okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyways, uh, the. The end of that, uh, Mini Scribe eventually sold its assets in 1990 to Maxter Core of Jose San Jose, California. Maxtercore then went on to create uh, hard drives for musical equipment. Uh that was some of the so it was the hard drives, some of the first hard drives to show up in like digital music stuff. And then they too are now bankrupt. Um, <laughs> one uh, lasting legacy of all this, although it's a bit apocryphal and not confirmed, uh, not able to be confirmed, but some people say that when your device or your computer goes bad and it's bricked that this comes that, that this all comes ah, back from yeah.
1: i like that
0: yeah yeah that's cool that's that, that's awesome so
1: <laughs> i hope it comes from that that's very funny
0: yeah yeah so that is the uh that is the story of mini scribe uh at the end of the day definitely not worth it
1: (laughs) no so much effort to to just sell crap man and to to cover not selling crap yeah
0: (laughs) yeah so much effort to do that and like really you're just uh like all you're doing at that point is like saving yourself from getting chewed out and like I I can say that I definitely do actually uh, I've been at points in my life where like not just at work or whatever not just like covering up illegal shit because I, mean, I, I, I do that all the time but like just putting a <laughs> lot of effort into something like for example right now I work as a dishwasher and I have a bunch of traveling coming up through uh, company yeah. and for personal stuff. And I like I like the guys that I work with, I really do. The guys I work directly for in the kitchen, they're good guys and I don't want mm-hmm. them to be like asked out with me being gone. And so like I've been taking this, this trip to Denver and I've been like kind of bending over backwards to like accommodate. Like, and make sure that right. like, that, my, that my shit, to the point that I paid somebody, like, I paid somebody 50 bucks to cover my shift when I was gone, and I felt that, that that means this person would have been working, closing one night, and then coming in, opening the next day, and literally working a double. So, I mean, I didn't mind paying the $50, but I went through right. a whole bunch of shit, and I, this week, I was stressed out about this trip, and, I, and it, like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, what the fuck, man? I, I'm... I don't have anything to stress out. I'm I'm bending over backwards and do all these things to really just save somebody from maybe being slightly annoyed with me, you know, like, that's just...
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: owe them that. Is it,
1: is, are they going to be as appreciative as you are stressed out
0: not at all they and
1: don't. the answer is probably no yeah
0: yeah Like uh, actually in, within the last couple of weeks uh, the, this, this place has actually showed me they uh, t- do not give a shit that I do anything for them so uh, <laughs> at least the the, the the place itself like I said the two guys that run the kitchen I do like but uh, yeah so that's what and I just had to kind of sit and go you know what I'm just I'm, I'm doing a bunch of shit for nothing and that's what it feels these guys were doing all this shit they were doing like was like uh, it felt like it was just so they wouldn't get yelled at at the by the boss you know
1: right right and it, yeah it's it's like i i understand that that is a motivator but it's like you're being paid to do your job you're not being paid to make somebody happy yes you're yeah, being yeah. you're being paid to do specifically your job yeah you know yeah it's you once you once you make it about like Pleasing somebody I mean yes you want to work As a team and you want your coworkers To be able to rely on you and, and You know have a good community at work And everything but if it's just like Oh I don't want my boss to be mad at me so I'm gonna Like kill myself it's like Deal with l- let your boss be mad at you yeah, fucking, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Like that's why they're the boss because they're supposed to be more stressed out than everybody yeah, else. Yeah,
0: ex- exactly, exactly. So yeah, don't, don't, yeah, don't put don't, don't put, don't put, don't put too much into something that's not going to give you anything back. And, and sometimes in the moment, in the moment, you don't understand, that that's that's what's happening. And sometimes you know, if you if you're feeling stressed out, take a moment, step back, not just to calm down, but just to kind of look at him and go, like, wait a minute, is this even worth it? And like, what am I doing? Assess the right. situation. Am I just working my ass off to stand in the penalty box? So fucking jolly McFucking fat. Over in, <laughs> over in Sherman Oaks, He <laughs> like, doesn't have to leave. Doesn't have to leave his mansion. So yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that. Yeah, just. take care of yourself guys is what i mean to say all right take care of yourself yeah uh so yeah the guys thank you for tuning in like i said we're we're gonna be back on our bullshit regularly weekly uh got a lot of cool things coming up like merch and patreon stuff that we wanted to have a consistent drop schedule before we start asking you guys for money so we are yeah yeah we're good people we're gonna get things going regularly again then we got some cool stuff for you out there if you're interested
1: and hopefully, if you're hearing this, there's a, a Chronicle article out right now that you can read. Yes, yeah. If you, if you, per- perhaps you are listening to this because of the Chronicle yes. article. that would be exciting.
0: Yeah, we uh, we were uh, lucky enough to get a, a nice little uh, write up in the uh, the good old Austin Chronicle uh, talking about what a cool bunch of podcasts we we are us <laughs> or them. So yeah, that's cool to so look for that. Uh, we this is. Wednesday the uh, 25th so uh, July the 26th is when it comes out so go look for it Um, and it should be out for the whole week and it's free so just go grab one and uh, yeah and uh, you know that's the thing and if you happen to live in uh, Little Rock Arkansas I will be at the Looney Bin in Little Rock uh, from August 8th to the 11th and then I will also be let me uh, find the other one here Yeah, uh, August 8th through the 11th, I will be at the Looney Bin in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And August 15th through the 18th, I will be at the Looney Bin in Oklahoma City. So if you're one of our listeners from either Oklahoma City or Little Rock, Arkansas, I will be those with Comedy Clubs that night featuring for the very funny Matt Sadler. So come on out.
1: Hell yeah. Um, If you're listening to this the day it comes out, uh, tomorrow, Friday, I have a show at Karma um, on the Lower East Side in New York. It's uh, Eli's birthday show, so uh, the dudes from one of my other podcasts, What a Time to Be Alive, we're all going to be performing on that show. It's going to be really fun, so uh, come check that out. Cool, cool. All
0: right, guys. Well, you know where to find us. Uh, We'll see you next week, and in the meantime, remember, don't
1: get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time, guys. Bye.